Tonight's reading is from Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1, which can be found on page 69 of the New Testament section of your church Bibles. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? Father, thank you for the gift of your holy word, for the privilege of hearing it read. Guide us now by your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who inspired its words. May its truths come alive in our hearts and lives and cause us to walk in the light and obedience of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. you head north to Chesterfield on the 617, normally my focus, and I'm assuming yours is if you want to get to Sheffield, is to aim for the A61. Uh, But en route, as I'm sure you know, on the south of Sheffield, there is a, to my mind at any rate, a really infuriating roundabout. And I had the other day probably the most miraculous set of traffic circumstances I've ever had in my whole life. Occasionally I get this, where you you sense, oh, I've got a green light, and you know you've got a few to go, and you get not just round one, but the second, and it's plain sailing. And I had this the other day on the roundabout, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about, the 617, and the third exit is 61. This is where we're going, and there are three lights all conspiring against you most of the time, except on this occasion, 
And of course, it's my skillful driving. I think I probably did the whole thing in second. Going round, not just the first, but the second. I couldn't believe it. Am I going to get the third? Yes, all the way out onto the A61. Complete freedom. Took me back to when I went go-karting with my youngest daughter, and she lapped me after one lap. Head by, say, right, Dad, I'm really enjoying this. I paid the bill, and I said, darling, just slow down. I want to see your next birthday, please. Life is not go-karting. Life is not fun. And very often, it's the case that prayers are not answered first time round. But it's a painful experience, not just being stuck in traffic, but you're there at the first part of the roundabout with all the angry lorries growling at you in your right-view mirror, and you head off, oh, I'm making progress, only to find you have to stop at the first set of lights. And then you think, I need to get over into the next lane, so you head out again in first gear, determined to get through the... Uh, it's going to stop as well. I've got one more to go, and blow me down, I'm going to stop there as well. Persistence in driving, persistence in prayer. It's one of the messages and reflections that were asked to receive uh, this evening. I was put in remembrance of the great gritty politician Wilberforce from Yorkshire, of course, who spent 18 years trying to get slavery out of the system of this country. 18 long years. A secular documentary that was on the TV screens recently referred to his motivation primarily as being of religious in origin. In some way, shape or form, God was behind this. And I bet he was praying for a lot of the time. Last slide, thank you so much. So, uh, I don't know if you saw this also on the BBC News, about two, three weeks ago, someone's engraved on the eye of a needle the very words of the Lord's Prayer. Painstaking attention to detail, forensic in its application. Apparently things have to be quite still in order for the engraving to happen. No vibration anywhere in the house at all. Uh, the work of art, I believe, sold for a lot of money. You can do the research yourself to find out how much. But of course, the Lord's Prayer is timeless and famous. Without digressing too much, it used to be the case some 20, 30 years ago, you could go into most primary schools in England and the Lord's Prayer would be used in assemblies and it would be trooping off the lips of children embedded in their young lives all the way through to adulthood. Not so now. But let me reflect with you on the Lord's teaching in prayer. Thank you very much, Brian. Uh, because this famous Lord's Prayer comes in a particular part of Luke's Gospel, uh, which I think unpacks some of its teaching that it would be good for us to receive. First of all, prayer and motivation. Notice that Luke sets the Lord's Prayer in answer to the disciples' question. Lord, how should we be praying? This is a spiritual question. Luke and Acts of the Apostles have as their undercurrent the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And the work of the Holy Spirit is evident, not just in the outpouring of the Acts of the Apostles, but in Luke's Gospel also. And the spiritual stirring in their lives causes this question, Lord, teach us to pray. Any teacher will know that if you've got a motivated class, wanting to pass, wanting to learn, the battle is half won. So a simple diagnostic question, how motivated are we to learn to pray? Wanting to want to pray is surely half the battle. And that instinct, that desire itself is motivated by the Holy Spirit himself. Lord, I do want to not just follow you, I want to learn to pray. I want to see how this work of the Spirit is going to continue in my life. The mere fact, don't mean to be patronizing, but you're listening to a sermon on prayer, indicates there is a degree of willingness and appetite that the Spirit is at work in you to find out how this can indeed happen. Notice Jesus answers with this famous Lord's Prayer in verse 2. He said to them, and then again in verse 5, same set of words, he said to them again and gives an illustration and gives a story. So when the spiritually motivated question comes to Jesus, Lord, teach me to pray, it's not just the Lord's Prayer that's part of the answer. There is a story and an illustration of a son, of a father, wanting to be asking for something. A persistent knocking of the door for bread and for food to be given to a guest. Prayer and motivation. The Spirit is at work in our lives. But notice too, prayer and a framework Of course you have there the Lord's Prayer. Notice how all-embracing it is. Perhaps it's meant to be said every day. Give us today our daily bread. We've had reference to failure and folly and frailty. There's reference too to the darker side of life. Sometimes I'm convinced, and many others are, that some things only come out by prayer and fasting. Those are Jesus' words. Deliver us from evil. All the food I have, I come to you and ask for daily bread. There is a Father who loves me in heaven. There is a world that is against God, and we should pray, hallowed be thy name. Notice how all-encompassing this framework of prayer is. Perhaps, as I said, it should be said every day. Notice, too, there's prayer and focus, because if this is a a framework or a, a pattern of prayer, Jesus also seems to indicate that if we want to learn to pray, there should be a focus and there should be a persistence in prayer. Not just a framework or a pattern, but a focus and a persistence. So this friend who comes at midnight and wants food and you've nothing to set before him, what will you do? Well, you should ask, you should seek, you should knock, and you will find. I hope I'm not just being a dyed-in-the-wool traditional Anglican, but I happen to think 
the Lord is trying to say to us, remember, he said to them, this is how you should pray in verse 2. He said to them, this is how you should pray in verse 5, that there does need to be some form of framework to our prayer. There also needs to be some form of focus. There's got to be surely a pattern and there's got to be a sense in which we persist on something specific. There's a balance, it seems to me. Sometimes people are just going to God in a crisis and you'll see them when there's a problem. More the case, Jesus says to them, prayer is about a pattern and a framework for living even every day. The whole of life should be in view. Sometimes people are very good at inhabiting patterns and frameworks, but then fail to bring to God a particular need that's acute or desperate for them at the time. Perhaps we each need each other to keep us focused. Some people are good at inhabiting rhythms. Other people are seemingly more given to bursts of excitement or drama. Perhaps we both need each other. The Lord is very clear, though, if you want to learn to pray, he said to them, find a framework, find a pattern. Let me teach you one that you could use even every day. And don't forget, when you've got a particular need, don't fail to come and knock on my door. How many times did he say you'll have to keep knocking? This particular spiritual roundabout has got six lights attached to it. And they've all got red. You've got to ask. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. Very rarely in prayer is it green lights, second gear, all the way around the roundabout. Yay! Sometimes spiritual enthusiasm will last a day, a week, a month, or a couple of years. But Jesus says, if you're spiritually motivated by the Holy Spirit of God to follow me and build my church, you'll need to find a framework that lasts, that you can inhabit day in, day out. And when there's particular cause of need, come to me and ask. And if this uh, simple illustration, when these lovely disciples come to Jesus and say, how can we pray? Well, you need to find a framework. You must never forget to ask. He then draws its sermon in Luke's Gospel almost to a conclusion. How much more then will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Prayer, shouldn't we be surprised at this, is as much about receiving an answer as receiving a relationship. Somehow, through it all, the journey, the road you go on, there's a travelling partner with you. And it's Jesus Christ himself, present by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that Luke... Uh, styles this particular piece of writing where the very lips of Jesus are saying, Our Father in heaven, this is how you should pray. Then you have an illustration to be specific and focused. And then what's prayer all about? 
some form of mystical exercise that we could enjoy to live long and to do well. Prayer is there, so Luke says, in order that as soon as you get on the highway of life, what's there in verse 14? Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. And then he goes on to speak in the next part of chapter 11 about blessed Jonah. Do you remember him? We've had a whole month on Jonah. That was great. Do remember when you're on the highway of life and the world is against you, there's no other sign will be given to you other than the sign of Jonah. Jesus Christ is alive. That's all you need. The world won't get it. You are the only people that will get it. You've got the sign of Jonah. And then even further as you go along the merry road of life in Luke chapter 11, who do you get wagging the finger and pointing the finger at you and wanting to do away with you? The Church of England. I mean, it's there, it's clear as day, the scribes and the Pharisees. They say, you can't go saying these things. You can't go doing that. Mustn't bite off the hand that feeds me. That was a, a cheap joke. If the world's going to be against you, someone in the name of God, if they don't believe in Christ, if they have no inhabited framework of prayer, if they've never gone to Jesus Christ himself and said, I'm asking you for this, will you please help me out? I don't know how many times you've stopped on the roundabout of life. Ask, seek, you'll find. Dear Dr. Helen Rosevere, this is the point, prayer and progress. It's not just meant to be a mystical exercise. It's meant to be the case that the kingdom of God goes forward through you as you pray with a framework and a particular focus. Twelve years in the Congo, she said, give me this mountain. And she established a whole medical hospital if you know the story, it's quite tear-jerking, injustice, cruelty and despair. And at the end, she wrote another book. I asked for a mountain, but he gave me a valley. But she's the real deal. Read the books. There you have it. Prayer as Jesus wanted his disciples to receive it. Lord, teach me to pray. The spirits at work in my life Get a framework. Get yourselves into church week by week. Find something you can do day by day to pray over the whole of life. And when you have a particular need and it's biting and it's hurting, it's as if you've got someone knocking on your door. Give me a bite to eat, will you, pal? You've got nothing. You've got nothing. You can do nothing about this. Then ask. And when you do, Jesus says, I'll give you something. You're not going to get anywhere else, the Holy Spirit. And the simple reason being that you can make another prayer. Give me this. Help me do this for you. Help me go on the road of your kingdom life. Not just as a joy ride. Nothing against go-karting, I have to say. Pretty expensive and very scary. <laughs> but it's oh so stupid to go through the journey of life and having accomplished nothing for the kingdom of God. What a waste of roundabouts. Give me this mountain. 
What's it the Lord wants to give you? What does he want to do through you? Persist in prayer. Find a framework. The Holy Spirit is genuinely at work in your life. If something's quickening within, to see that happen. And whilst our particular focus this evening is on prayers for healing for ourselves and for others who are on your heart, surely there is something we all could be doing for God. Lord, help me to make progress in this area, in my home, in my family, in my street, in my road, in my workplace. What's he laying on your heart? Lord, teach us to pray. Let's be still and I'll lead you in a prayer. Uh, Lord, we're your children. We want to be your followers day by day. Please stir up within us this gift of wanting more of you. To know how we can be used in your service to see your kingdom come. You find us in a dry and needy world. Help us, each one, to be receptors of your grace and goodness. That indeed others will find you to be the true and living one, risen forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.